Welcome to Bible Fellowship Church's Sunday Morning Messages. Our podcast records a Sunday morning sermon from our pastor, Dr. Don Trust, other church leaders, and special guests. We hope you enjoy it, find it inspirational and enlightening to your understanding of the Bible. Life can be hard, but God has revealed Himself to us through the Word for our salvation and growth as believers. To help support our ministry, please consider becoming a subscriber and financial contributor. Links to donate are on our website at bfcforyou.org. Let's open the prayer. Our dear God, we do thank you for here, being here with us and guiding us. Please open your word and let the word speak to what you would have them to say. We do pray that those for those that are sick today, particularly Pastor Don and Mrs. Wren, but please be with them and give them comfort. Be with us as we go this, through this service and through the rest of this week. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, uh, I'm James Mailer, one of the elders here in the church. It's been a while since I've spoken from this position. Um, but let's go ahead and get started. Um, I usually, one of my favorite verses I like to start with is one in Micah, Micah 6, 8, uh, 6, 6 through 8, which says, With what shall I come to the Lord, and how myself before God on high shall I come to him with burnt offerings and with yearlings? Does the Lord take delight in thousands of ranch and ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I present my firstborn for my rebellious acts? the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul. He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, love, kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. And then Paul, over in Timothy, had a little different, well, another take on it. In Second Timothy 2, um, 14 through 16, Paul reminds Timothy, Remind them of these things and solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words, which is useless and leads to the ruin of the heart. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth and to avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness. I have been one of those who has participated in this world in empty chatter and also tried to make it line up with my immature Christian beliefs of that time. Uh, many of you might have heard my short podcast on the upper room discussing the importance of literal belief in biblical creation. That was about six weeks ago. For some of y'all, that will be a review. Some of this will be a review. But Jesus taught a literal creation. In Matthew 19, uh, not directly related, but it shows the thoughts of Jesus along this line when he's talking uh, to the Pharisees about marriage. Um, let's see, that is Matthew 19, 4, uh, where he says, And he answered them, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? God was there at the beginning, and God created them at the beginning. Uh, so he was even using creation in this uh, um, instance of counsel on marriage. 
Paul spoke of it in several places of literal creation. Uh, one of my favorites that I've used many times is over in Romans, uh, Romans five twelve through 9. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so sin spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, sin was not in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, those who is a type of him who is to come. He also uh, spoke very similarly uh, over in uh, Corinthians. Um, uh, Corinthians, let's see, that would be 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 21 and, um, let's see, 21 and 22, where he says, For since by man comes death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, and so in Christ all should be made alive. We have learned uh, that if you do not accept this literal story of literal creation, um, then where do you start believing? If you don't believe Genesis, can you believe the prophet? How about David? He would be in question. And by extension, some people even question Jesus, and by that, our salvation. So our salvation is, in my opinion, tied to the story of literal creation. I have here a quote from an interesting character that I picked up the other day. He is the author, Richard Bozart. It becomes clear now that the whole justification of Jesus' life and death is predicated on the existence of Adam and the forbidden fruit. He and Eve ate without sin who, need, who needs to be redeemed. Without Adam's fall into the life of constant sin, tormented by death, what purpose is there to Christianity? And he comes back none. This could have been written by a strict creationist, but otherwise it was written and published in the American Atheist magazine. Um, he went on to say, following this up, his fellow atheists should then attack Genesis as the foundation and the Christian salvation would then have no point. As uh, they are sowing doubt in our society, in our schools, and even in our churches, by attacking Genesis, he's attacking the foundation of the church and even our own personal salvation. Now, I would like to make my own counterattack on their bulwark, and that is Darwinian evolution. Charles Darwin himself was a failed theologian and a mediocre scientist before he was hired onto the HMS Beagle as their naturalist through family connections. Uh, as a footnote, many consider him to be the uh, uh, evolution pioneer, but rather he was strongly influenced by his atheist uncle, Erasmus Darwin, who some people believe actually wrote The Origin of the Species. He had reservations about the conclusions of this book before it was published, but due to public support, he carried it forward. Remember, he was not aware of DNA, modern heredity, 
or even the crude genetic world of Gregor Mendel that he had discovered, who just happened to be his contemporary. But let's define some terms. I believe in natural selection. That's why we have productive crops, such as the potatoes, that were just little worthless things in Peru, several hundred, and now they're of great value to us. Uh, this was done through selective breeding, which is by definition uh, natural selection or selection. The story that a lot of evolutionists use to prove evolution um, is the story of the white moth. Uh, many of you might have heard that story. In England, there was a population of moths, uh, primarily white, few black, um, but the white ones seemed to survive in the lighter colored buildings of England during this time. The birds would come along and pick up the black ones, and so there were more and more white ones. Then the Industrial Revolution came. All the buildings became black due to the smoke and the soot. And guess what? The population of the malls changed. They were all black, very few of them white, because the birds started picking up the white malls because they were easier to find. And now they've controlled the pollution and cleaned up the area, particularly around London. We're now getting a mixed population again, primarily of white malls. Does that mean evolution is occurring? No. That means they are selecting from the genetic pool that still exists. It is not a mutation, but a um, selection of a desirable trait, uh, at least desirable to the malls, the ones that survive. Uh, so there is no genetic change, and it's uh, but in but a, the quality of the inheritance of favorable tra uh, traits. This is the same case of bacteria. We all hear of bacterial resistance these days. The way that occurs, this bacterial resistance is in every bacterial population. But when antibiotics are used incorrectly, it can allow a flourish of the antibiotic-resistant bacteria, which then can override the immune system and can, uh, uh, as their genes express themselves. A Great Dane and a Chihuahua are still dogs with genetically the same makeup. A dachshund and a Great Dane crosses are even possible. Well, I've seen it. Uh, but they're all still dogs as a result. They don't change. But species shift or change has never been truly observed. This would be an example of what we call macroevolution. A bear does not become a dolphin or a dog a cow or a monkey, a man, as they would say in Scope's trial era. There are a few examples, there are very few examples of positive mutation. And we're not talking about changing species, we're talking about changing one letter in the genetic code. Um, the most common positive mutation that is quoted these days is kind of surprising. There is one change in DNA of the African population that causes sickle cell anemia. That causes the red blood cells to twist, and, and the people die very early, 20 to 25 years old. Why is that a positive mutation? Without that mutation, 90% of the people die of malaria from 5 to 12 years old and never have children. At least they live long enough to start their family and can keep the population going. So in the 
certain areas of Africa, sickle cell anemia is considered a positive mutation, or it was before malaria was as controlled as it is today. Uh, now, when that population comes to the United States, we have all kinds of sick people here who are suffering. I have a good friend who died of sickle cell anemia at 22 years old. In Africa, that would have been a success. Uh, in the, uh, so that, in some cases, could be considered a positive mutation, but it's positive depending on your perspective. It allowed people to live longer, but at what cost? I read a story the other day posted. Um, I read too much Facebook. Uh, Y'all might remember Carla Lucas. She posts a lot, and uh, she's really a great lady. But she posted this picture I thought was uh, very interesting to describe what we're talking about when we're talking about perspective. said, New York Times reported an article where a guy up in upstate New York dug down 10 feet and found a long 16-gauge cable. And he said they proved that 10 feet deep, 100 years ago, they actually had uh, communication from house to house. The California people said they weren't going to be outdone. So he went up somewhere around Acadia, one of their scientists, and reported in Los Angeles Times, he dug down 20 feet and found an 8-gauge cable, which shows 200 years ago, Californians had Internet. They said, okay. So in Jackson, a guy from Mississippi, he dug down 30 feet, looked, and found nothing. And they reported Mississippians 300 years ago had wireless. So that's uh, uh, it's all a matter of perspective. Um, then there's the story. This now we're getting into some of the creation, uh, scientific creationism here. Uh, there's the story of uh, the beetle. The, there's a children's book called Bombay the Bomb, uh, uh, Bombardier Beetle. That's right. Thank you. Uh, the Bombardier Beetle is an interesting little bug. Uh, it is the favorite prey of the tiger beetle, but itself has little chambers in the back, and in one of the chambers has a mixture of hydrogen peroxide and hydroquinolone, which mixed, very toxic, but they're safe, nothing going on. But when the beetle gets excited, it the muscles contract and squirts it through another chamber that releases peroxidase and uh, oxidases that creates a 212-degree explosion of toxic chemicals coming out what they call the tailpipes of the bee, beetle as a protection thing. Can you imagine the evolution of this thing? How would this thing have evolved? You'd have lost a lot of beetles in the process, I think. You know, them blowing up in that chamber or uh, uh, trying to figure out how to do the muscle thing while they're burning to death down there, you know. Uh, a good friend of mine, uh, not a friend, uh, one of my, a guy I admire who's now gone to his reward, Dr. Dwayne Gish, um, used to talk about Bombay the Beetle and said, you know, before he developed those muscles, you could have lost a lot of friends that way. Uh, that, uh, I, he was one of those characters that could make more fun out of something like this than anybody else. But it seems like natural selection which, remember, you're going to be selecting against those that didn't have the muscles or didn't have the right oxidases. Uh, natural selection would have been counterproductive in this case. We probably wouldn't have this beetle uh, in that case. 
and the math well also the mathematics of spontaneously uh, evolving a functional novel protein is above my comprehension. A protein change to evolve a new species would be infinitely large times infinitely large. Um, this is not selecting for existing silent genes, but a total reconstruction of, of the DNA. Millions and millions of years, as Carl Sagan used to say, is not enough to reconstruct DNA into a new advance or even a low-level creature. I would like to point our focus to one of the body systems that I have done a little bit of study on, and that's blood clotting. Uh, an amoeba, quote, our, one of our primordial ancestors by evolutionary standards, doesn't have a blood or blood clotting. The sponges, next, probably not. But up the ladder, the vertebrates do. But most vertebrates have this mechanism to stop the fluid leakage uh, when there is a um, damage to the cells. How did it come into being? Now, let's review again macroevolution by natural selection. If a gene product is changed from the parent by the laws of natural selection and it is advantageous, it will give the re recipient uh, reproductive advantages. If it's not advantageous or it becomes excess baggage, it then is quickly eliminated. The theory states that the useful genes are then carried on and the negative or superfluous genes are selected against, eliminated. With this in mind, I want to examine the potential evolution of blood clotting. It's a system where all works as planned or not at all, which brings up, we had a mousetrap game. We we're going to demonstrate this. I couldn't get it to work right, so, I, so it doesn't work at all for that case today. Uh, very frustrating at times. But um, if there's an injury, a small cut on your hand, wherever, it releases chemicals that um, eventually release what's called clotting factor one. Clotting factor one has no purpose other than to stimulate clotting factor two. Clotting factor two has no real purpose other than to stimulate clotting factor three. And then we go on that whole step until we get to clotting factor 12, which then catalyzes the reaction of fibrinogen to fibrin to create a clot. Okay, if this was going to evolve, you have clotting factor 1, it serves no purpose. What's it going to do for the millions of years while it's waiting for clotting factor 2? And then it serves no purpose uh, all the way down the road. Through natural selection, it would be very difficult to evolve a clotting factor. What did the factors do themselves? Nothing but create the next factor to initiate the cascade that results in clotting. Um, nothing of extrinsic value but to contribute to that clot. How could the factor exist while waiting for the following factors to uh, manufacture to be evolved and uh, whatever million years is there. Uh, we are talking millions and millions of years, uh, which is more time than enough to be de-evolved than it is to evolve and, uh, with a product that's of no value at that point. This is an example, an example of sequential evolution 
which is not supported by Darwinian theory. Now, to make things more complicated, there has to be a declotting mechanism. If not, our blood would be solid. We'd, uh, you have to have something to create a, a balance there. And so what follows is a 14 enzyme product process in reverse that a few of them do have value in between, but most of them are the same as in the clotting factor. They have ch uh, Their main purpose is to create uh, the breakdown of the clot. Um, in my mind, so much for the uh, mathematical probability of independent uh, evolutionary uh, change in this sense. The probability, I've heard it calculated, would be 13 factorial to the 13th power. That number would be just about equivalent to one in the zeros in my Bible all the way through uh, to do that randomly, which is what would be required from Darwinian evolution. Either it all works together or none of it works. Then if it, none of it works, the parts that are left are just worthless chemicals. We were trying to, like I say, trying to evolve the mousetrap game, but that didn't work either. But um, another example of this, if we think about it, a simple one, is our eye. How could it have evolved? The cornea does not work without the retina, and the retina without the cornea, and neither one of them without the lens or the iris. Did they just show up randomly all at the same time? If they were there, they would have de-evolved before they would evolve the next step. Uh, by logical conclusion, it seems to me. Each, each individual portion is worthless without the rest of the, uh, the eye structure. And how could they have appeared simultaneously? Some of these examples, in my opinion, cause Darwinian evolution or macroevolution to lose its luster that we hear so much of today. And so, so many of these people are... Um, then using tactics to try to get their support. And what they're supporting is not Darwinian evolution. They're supporting anti-God in many, in many cases. Uh, a good friend of mine uh, supported uh, creation science, lost his job as a college professor. And I know of two or three cases where that happened. Um, the Darwinian evolutionists are using strong tactics to... Um, to make sure that not only do we hear their opinion, that it's the only opinion that we hear and that we have to believe it. Uh, I can make all the uh, arguments available, but we have to remember Genesis 1, in the beginning God. But if we forget Genesis, the tendency, even on our part, is to minimize or even ignore the other 65 uh, books of God's Word. And I do appreciate it, and thank y'all. Let's close with prayer. Our dear God, we do thank you just for this day you've given us to live. Help each of us to make most the most of it, that we would live it for you, to bring glory to you through our lives. This we pray in Christ's name. Thank you for listening to the Sunday message. We hope your understanding increased and maybe discovered one or two things you can use to improve your relationship to God and to fellow believers. 
If you aren't a member of a local church, we invite you to come check out Bible Fellowship Church. Mm-hmm.